Hello and welcome to the Activist Podcast, brought to you by Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals. I'm your host, Gareth Skir, and I'll be also joined by my wonderful co-host and wife, Jackie Norman. In this episode, we have the one and only Joey Carbstrong. Joey is well known throughout the vegan movement for his powerful outreach videos and commentary on the state of animal agriculture. In this interview, we delve into Joey's history of activism and explore some of the methods he uses and what he's found effective. For vegans wanting to become more active or active in the first place, Joey has some sage words of advice. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. And be sure to check out our social media pages at VeganFTA on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube, where you can also find this series in video format. Now, I've been really excited to have you here, but I'm a little shy as well because um, I don't know if your assistant uh, mentioned anything to you, but um, am I the first former dairy farmer to interview you? Turned vegan activist, I should say now. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm usually interviewing dairy farmers. Yeah, it's the other way around. <laughs> Over the tables I've turned now, Joey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on my best behaviour, I promise. <laughs> so uh, for anybody, just in case, who has been living under a rock these past few years and hasn't had the pleasure of seeing you in action, would you mind please telling us a little about yourself and what you do? Because obviously I know full well. So. Well, um, I, um, I was a gang member for many years and um, I went down the wrong track for many years and I um, served six months in prison and uh, become sober in prison, seen my life, life with new eyes and uh, I had many seeds planted on plant-based dieting um, whilst serving home detention before my prison sentence and whilst in prison with this newfound sobriety, a few seeds were planted and they started to flourish and... Um, when I got out, I started to think more about the um, ethical implications of what I was doing. I hated being a hypocrite. Um, I was a hypocrite in many ways in my life, not just through eating animals. So I just uh, was having this kind of a awakening and um, part of that was just deciding to go vegan. And, um, and then I had to start speaking up about it. Obviously, when you see what happens to animals, I don't think you're truly vegan if you, you know, can stay silent. I mean, it's just you're vegan for the animals and if you see what they're, they're going through, you have to start speaking up about it. I started speaking up to my family and, and friends and obviously they don't really listen too well. So then I decided to start a social media platform and that was um, my channel to sort of uh, inspire and, you know, vent about what happens to animals. Yeah, well, you do some amazing street outreach videos and, um, of course, they're hugely popular with good reason. And uh, the one thing that always stands out for me is how you just, you never lose focus or sight of the true victims. And with that, you never back down from it, you know. So was it just through that time in prison that really just lit the fire? Or was there something afterwards that, you know, um, really got you burning in all cylinders for it? Yeah, well, uh, the fire was, the fire was in my chest um, to to inspire or make some type of a difference um, because I'd, spent 12 years going down the wrong track and I'd, you know, hurt people around me and I just, just really led a really dark life. And, uh, so when I got sober and went vegan, I just had this like burning feeling in my chest. And whenever I went to sleep and I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, like there's another day gone. And, you know, I have to start doing something now. So that, that fire hasn't left me. Um, it's always there. If I don't do any activism at it just, it really, I don't feel my best. I don't feel good about myself. So yeah, I'm staying focused on the animals is the number one thing you need to do as a vegan and as an activist, because things are going to get hard. People are going to throw hard uh, questions at you. But if you just ask yourself whether that justifies what we do to animals, I mean, that's going to keep you grounded. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we just love watching you and the way that you just always bring it back, bring it back every time someone tries to go, take it off track and people come up with some really stupid ways to take it off track, you know, you just, I don't care. This is what it's about, which is just brilliant. Mm. So um, the theme of today's episode is finding your superpower as an activist. Um, and mm. as you know, you know, we're, with our series, we're trying to feature all forms of activists, um, mm -hmm. 
activism rather across the board. And um, you've said in past interviews as well that you've always had the, the gift of the, the gab, you know, you've always been a speaker and, um, and having that ability to communicate and be a relentless voice for the animals like that. So that's, you know, that's your superpower from, from what we can make out. You're the one that really sticks out for us. Um, was there a time at the beginning where, you know, perhaps where you wanted to speak out but it didn't come so naturally or you couldn't quite find the words? Because I always worry if I go do something like that, I'd be getting out on the street and be going, but, but how did that, did that, <laughs> where would I start? So was it like that mm. for you at all or you just, that was your, your purpose and you just went for it? Yeah, see, the thing is when I um, started doing street outreach, there was no other street people filming street outreach that I could reference. Um, so I started it almost seemed like I was one of the first online to film street outreach activism. Um, we did uh, something before anonymous for the voiceless. Um, a girl called Nicole organized a earthlings experience in Adelaide mm. and I'd, I'd always film everything, you know, but that was probably one of the first times I'd really, we'd really done some street art where we were like showing slaughterhouse footage and filming that. But, um, yeah, but I remember um, doing my first street interview and it was because of a guy named uh, Martin from Think About Think About This. He had used to have a YouTube channel and he used to do street out activism, like not activism, it was more like street interviews with drunk people about veganism and it was more like a comedy type of thing. And yeah, and then we went out and did one together and that's how I got into the street interviews. But like, I was super nervous at the start. I mean, I didn't have any social skills. I was you know, I usually socialized while drinking alcohol. So like I was freshly sober. So I like, yeah, I was super nervous and I didn't really have like, you know, an earthling Ed to go and watch his videos to see how amazing he does it and what to, how to navigate through questions. So I was kind of like really on my back foot at the start. I was just asking questions and see what they say, asking questions and see what they say. But it turned out that that method is actually really effective. Um, but I was just doing it <clears throat> mainly to interview someone <clears throat> and see how they would come out, what answers they'd come out with Cause I was kind of nervous, you know, like, but yeah, like incorporating asking questions is actually like a fundamental thing now that you do when you're doing outreach. And it's just like, wow, it's, it's amazing how like that Socratic method actually comes naturally to someone who's trying to change another person's mind. It's just a natural, you know, intuitive thing to do when you're, trying to change someone's belief system, just question their belief system until it's, it's like called street epistemology or something like that. But um, yeah, you're going to be nervous at the start because if you aren't as well researched and educated or as not, or if you're not as focused on the victims as you should be, because people will take you out into the woodworks. They'll start talking about gray areas. They'll start talking about oysters. They'll start talking about crop deaths. They'll start talking about all of these different things, right? <clears throat> And you, you need to know, you need to know how to answer those things. So at the start, it's really important, like, cause I didn't have the luxury of doing that. Like now that all the new activists have the luxury of going out to, to activists who've been doing it for a long time now to go and check out what they're saying. Now I won't, I will say this, there was Gary Yurofsky back when I started. So I could go to Gary Yurofsky and Gary Yurofsky would answer a lot of these things in his speeches um, but in terms of him having street debates, he, he was having like TV debates where he would answer lions though. Um, but the thing is, there's a lot of different things that will come up that will only come up in conversation. And you know, they're, they're really, sometimes they throw you right off. So if you're new to it, you want to make sure you just watch a bunch of different videos from different, um, activists and a lot of different activists answer them differently. Um, so it's good to have a wide range of like sort of answers for people. I'm so glad that we're able to watch you now because um, I've been having an absolute binge over the last few days and really enjoying your content and just, just making me want to get out there and try it. But, um, so you were, you literally started from just talking into your phone though at the start, eh? Before I oh, yeah. into YouTube. The first video I ever made, I, sat, I was sitting in my car and I was like, you know, I'm just, I've got so much energy and I just feel so inspired right now. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to film the video. And I just sat there talking to the phone in my car. And uh, then I was just like, I'm just going to start a YouTube. Well, I actually already had a YouTube channel to watch other people's videos. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to upload this video to my YouTube channel. And um, 
Yeah, and just uploaded it, shared it, and then just, it was kind of like ripping the Band-Aid off, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, yeah, I got that one out of the way, and now I can start with the next one. And, and like, I didn't know how to edit. I taught myself how to edit. I didn't, you know, have... The way I communicate in the gang world with my mates was a lot differently to how we should communicate <laughs> with the wider audience. And I didn't really know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I was... My heart was in the right place, but I was quite brutal at the start. Like people think I'm brutal now. Like I'm ten percent of how brutal I was. I, I'm just brutal in a more, um, kind of in more precise way now. Like a more deliberate way. Um, before when I first started, I was just brutal all the time. <laughs> like I just told you exactly how I really thought, and I was insulting people, and I was, you know, I was swearing at everyone, calling everyone an F and C. Um, I've removed. I've not deleted the videos but I've removed those videos from my platform because I just thought you know like that kind of outweighs the message in a way like it kind of takes away from the message the message is really strong and you know like every now and then now I'm, I'm having a bit of a go at someone I'm getting a bit worked up but you know I, I do have to keep a little bit of a lid on it because like I'm just I'm very passionate obviously very passionate but yeah at the start I was just finding my feet I was finding my feet in my life like I'd, I'd finding my feet just all together like I'd, I didn't go to university I didn't have a high level of education. I left school when I was 14. Um, and I was hanging around, you know, gang, gang men, members and gangsters all the time. And, you know, uh, and that's just the community I come from. So I had to learn more than one thing when I started being an advocate, like I had to learn social skills and communication and all of these other things and, you know, how to keep my cool and how to, you know, be emotionally intelligent. And all of these things were just very foreign to me. So, you know, I think other people might have a, even a leg up over me because they might have developed all of these skills in their job or in their workplace or, you know, like, so they're, they're all skills that they're just normal. It's just normal social intelligence that you might have when you're talking to someone at the store or, you know, in, in your business, um, things that I didn't have things that I, so, so you're already a, a leg up. Um, a lot of people, some people are more like they're more sharp on their toes. Like, other people might do better like doing some speeches and, you know, you, something a little bit where they can give more context. But I find like I can just respond with one sentence and even if it's a really quick flowing debate, I can still get that sentence in and debunk it really quickly. So I think that's a skill to develop as well, but it's not, but everyone is kind of different in what they can offer. So like I just say stick to your strengths. I know I'm digressing completely about the question you asked about the the. the of the first video thing that um, I just thought they were like all natural progressions of each other. And it's just like, I'm trying to analyze like where I come from. Cause it's like, it's a long way away when I first started and where I've got to now. Um, but the thing is like the point, the main point is, is when you first start, you're going to make mistakes. It's not going to be perfect. Your phone might be a little bit shitty. You, back when I started, I had an iPhone, was it iPhone five or iPhone four or something like that. And I, paid like a hundred Australian dollars for it, which is hardly anything. It's like 50 pounds. And, you know, I bought a second hand computer, which was like 400 Australian dollars. And that's how I started, you know, like I started really it, like, I always tell people like start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. So at whatever point you're at, like, even if you're not as researched, that doesn't mean you can't start talking about animal rights, you know? And if there's something you don't know, just say, well, well I don't know. Just does that justify what we do to animals and just, keep pointing back to the animals, you know, and you know, there's enough information and resources out there. You're really not going to get lost. But the point is, is that people start like you start and you, you might be super nervous, but when you step out of that comfort zone, you're not going to be as nervous the next time. And you know, that's how it works. Like I st I still do things to this day where I'm like, Oh my God, I'm shitting myself. Like I, I'm really nervous, but then I do it and I'm like, wow. And then the next time you do it, it's not so bad, you know? And, um, I think people hold themselves back more than anything and they're more they're more afraid of all of these things that could go wrong instead of just focusing on like you know well maybe this is maybe this can go right maybe, you know you understand most people who haven't looked into this um you might know more about this than them you know so you might just be enlightening enlightening them on something but like there's a lot more information about it now than there was when I started like there was a couple of 
strong activists like, uh, you know, Gary Orofsky and there was like Freely the Banana Girl on YouTube and things like that. That was, they were talking about animal rights. Uh, you had Bite Size Vegan, I think, back then. Um, you know, this is when vegan YouTube was sort of just kicking off. But, um, yeah, you just, you've just got the luxury now of just choosing whoever you want to go follow and all these animal rights organizations on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And there's all these websites on how to answer questions, how to go vegan and, you know, the, the, all these massive organizations giving health data and making statements about uh, vegan diets. We just didn't have that even five, six years ago. And, you, you know, it's just like, yeah, but... Um, like animal rights has been around for a long, long time. Obviously there's animal rights been around since the 60s, 70s, like, you know, like, so, but we didn't have social media back then. You know what I mean? So the message couldn't spread. I mean, you had ALF handing out pamphlets about the, the egg industry to people to get them to go vegan and things like that. If you went vegan, like, you know, 20 years ago, you went vegan because of a pamphlet or something like that, or people doing tabling or something like that. Now you've got phones and computers and, you know, social media. So it's just like everyone gets the message. TikTok, you got these new platforms popping up left, right and center. But um, if you've got a phone, you can start now. You can just start. You can just, if you are too afraid to speak off the cuff, you don't need to speak off the cuff. Just write down, a, write down a script, write it down, get it good, fact check it, and then speak into the camera, read it into the camera. I mean, um, just overlay some footage over it if you want to. Um, really simple stuff. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. God, it makes me see how uh, spoiled we are. We've been vegan three years now, so yeah, like <laughs> it's been very easy for us in comparison. Like you say, you know, there's so much information out there. I love what you said about um, you know, just just shutting yourself in your car and just venting into your phone at the start because like that's such such a valuable thing there are so many people you see people on Facebook all the time you know they're always posting I feel so angry I don't know what to do I'm so you know just gutted at the state of the world everything and like if, if you just ramble into your phone even if you don't end up doing anything with it there and then you've got it you know it might have some power some use for you in the future that you know you can come back to at the right time and do something really really good with it so yeah. um but yeah um so you know, you started off, you've got your YouTube and everything going and, and your phone, and your computer. And so what, what was the next big step for you as an activist in the form of, um, you know, like your first vigil or, or cube, that kind of thing? How was that? And, and how did you feel when, when you did your first one? Yeah, so I'll talk about the first vigil because I kind of already like told you about my first sort of um, street outreach where we did the, um, the Earthlings experience. Um, that was the first time we'd done something similar to that. But I... To be honest, um, I was actually showing people footage on my phone like before I did that, and I, I was like, I always have my phone on the face cam talking to people anyway. But with the with the vigil, um, I'd seen um, the Save Movement just starting up, and I was like, well, we need to do that here. And I was like, is, is there a Save Movement here in Adelaide? No. And I was like, well, shit, you know, I just thought I'll just do one myself, <laughs> and uh, I started like I sat at the front of a gas chamber in Murray Bridge in Australia. It's out there in the country in Australia, uh, South Australia, sorry. Um, and I just waited, seen when the trucks come, waited for two days and yeah, I seen when they come and I was like, okay, then I just messaged in a vegan group. I was like, who wants to come and stop a truck with me? And uh, yeah, I got about 10 people down there and uh, yeah, we stopped the truck for about 45 seconds or something like that. Got some footage of the, the pigs before they went in and walked off and that was it. Then they sort of told us to go. And, you know, that was like my first vigil. That's sort of like the idea about, um, activists just doing it. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get way more done with action than with words. Like you can talk about what you're going to do to the, to the cows come home to the sanctuary, but like that ain't going to action. It's, it's all about action. You have to just, do it like and like people think that's so sim it's just a simple thing to say to someone just do it yeah mood follows action like your confidence will follow your action you know and it doesn't have to be perfect the point is you're trying like i know there's all these these vegan critics out there vegan activism critics and non-vegan activism critics who are just think they know the best method and they just oh you know joey it's wrong to do it like this and well at least i'm doing it at least I'm doing it. 
You know what I mean? I know we're not always going to agree on what's the right way. We're all different personalities. So we're so vastly different in what we think is going to connect with someone. All right. Scrap all that and just get it done. That's what I, that's what I reckon. That's what like, it just frustrates me when you like, you got people who are out there doing it and then you got people who are out there on their armchair telling them how to do it. And it's like, wait a second, if you want to do it, just, just muster up the courage, get out there and do it yourself. You know what I mean? That's the, and, and yeah. For sure. I love how you just instigated that one. You know, is there anybody doing anything? No, well, I'll do something. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I think um, we were talking about it recently. There's a lot of people that don't even realize that you can go to slaughterhouses. A lot of people don't realize that they've got slaughterhouses in their own locality that, you know, oh, yeah. there are people not doing anything. And so, yeah, the more people can be doing something, the better for sure. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So um, when you're getting ready to go out on the street and stuff like that, is there, is there anything you do to help prepare yourself for, you know, getting out and talking to people or is it just, you know, just focus on and just go straight in or. Um, maybe I should do a bit more of that. Like sometimes, um, <laughs> maybe I should do that, but to be honest, I just uh, find a location. Um, I get a topic that I want to talk about and I start thinking through in my mind how it could go and, um, how I want to formulate the questions, um, to sort of fit the topic. Um, so I do multiple different types of activism. So like if it's a vigil, I'll prepare differently. Obviously um, we need to know when the first truck comes and what time we've got to be there and whether the slaughterhouse is, whether the slaughterhouse is cooperative or if they're uncooperative and it's going to be difficult. So if they're going to be difficult, then you're going to, you know, have a whole different uh, set of, worries you know but uh with our uh, street outreach with av it's you really don't have to prepare if you've already educated yourself on certain things um you really shouldn't be doing outreach until you're just at least basically educated on what you're seeing on the screen so like uh you know just the industries that you're seeing on the sh on the screens and just like if you're going to go with anonymous for the voiceless i would say check out their protocol first and what they actually, you know, so those things you need to know if you're going to operate under a different organization, if you're going to do it yourself, you just probably want to know what you're talking about, like a little bit, like on the screens and that, if they go, what's that? And you go, I don't know that I think they're macerating those male chicks. So uh, to turn them into chicken nuggets or something like that. And it turns out they don't turn, they don't eat those birds. And then you, you sort of get your credibility comes under question. Yeah. So we all make slight, mistakes as well so don't like i mean just just don't make blatant mistakes because uh as long as you, you got to make sure your message is true like that's probably the main the main thing so preparing so with preparing um yeah mainly uh it's i, I kind of remind myself to stay calm in that because sometimes i just you know get a bit passionate but uh really there's you should be preparing every single day to do your activism you know just prepare. You should be always preparing and thinking about arguments and, okay, I don't really know this one very well. What, what should I respond? How should I respond to lions? Okay. Let me just get this argument under, under wraps or let me just get, just check out dairy industry practice for Australia. You know, I want to, I want to know exactly what they do just so that I know so that you should be always kind of preparing if you take activism seriously. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a great idea. Like um, one thing we you know we come up against um, being in in New Zealand is that you know the whole thing is the farmers' argument is like, well, what are we going to do with this land? You know, we can't grow this on it, we can't grow that on it. So yeah, totally get that. It's something that we have to be constantly on the top of. You know, we don't pretend to have all the answers, but at least if we have some suggestions, you know, so we don't look, look like complete, you know, <laughs> dreamers. And uh, you know, yeah. it, it's certainly really helpful. So um, we found it really interesting on your website where you talk about the three stages of truth. You've got ridicule, um, opposition, and acceptance. And um, when you do your outreach, is this the process? You know, when you say you sort of come up with a, a formula for your, you know, you're, you're talking to people, is that the process that you kind of go through when you're talking to somebody? No, that's the process I go through when um, I'm being ridiculed or violently opposed. Uh. <laughs> you know, like, so the process is like, okay, I'm getting ridiculed right now. And then I think of those three steps and I'm like, oh, uh, um, this is, this is one of the three stages. Okay, cool. They're getting closer. Okay. Uh, I'm getting violently opposed. Wow. Okay. They're, they're closer than you think. Um, 
So I don't even, did I answer your question properly then? Did, what was the actual question? I forgot, I've, I've lost my yeah, train of thought. Well, we, were just, we just saw it on your website, you know, we've got three stages of truth, ridicule, yeah, yeah. opposition, acceptance. And yeah, so when you do your outreach, when you, you know, get ready to go out and, and talk to people, you know, is, is that the sort of process that you go through when you're talking to someone? It's almost like the process I see, like when I watch the video through, yeah, they come at you first with the ridicule. <laughs> And then, you know, you've got your opposition stage and then yeah. usually you wear them down to the acceptance. So you know, it almost seems like it's the formula. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the process they go through. That's not the process. Like, so that's the process someone might go through, but not everyone will go through those three steps. I mean, I think this is just a, this is just the three steps Gandhi put forth. And I think it's more about the society's reaction to social change you know, because um, it's not usually on an individual basis. You can't see it that clearly on an individual basis. Anyway, like usually when you're on the streets, like no one's just going to start laughing at you. Like, you know, generally, generally some people do, but not everyone exposes that. But when you talk about a society where they can just type things on the internet, then you're going to see that ridicule. You're going to see that violent opposition because people are more honest when, when they're uh, behind their computer laptops. So like, yeah, like I guess it's more about reminding yourself as an activist that if you're facing that opposition, if you're facing that ridicule, that that's just a natural progression to truth. Oh, brilliant. So um, I've got to ask though, you know, uh, especially in during the street outreach, how does it feel when you have that gotcha moment? You know, when you see it, the penny drop, I, it's always my favorite part of the video and you start uh, seeing them start to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they start losing the words you know i almost want want to see a dubstep thing of all your you're like you got your moments you know where the sun yeah. stammer how does that feel for you you know as an activist all of a sudden you know you can see the penny dropping yeah yeah it's it's good because you know that that person's um actually being honest um you know when you ask them a question and they go like that like you get some people that are just debating to win and, you know, uh, I'm one of them as well, <laughs> but because uh, obviously I don't want to lose the debate about animal rights because it, you sh- it shouldn't be lost. <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm debating for human rights. You don't want to lose that debate. I mean, cause human rights, they, sh- humans should have rights. So animals should have a right. So obviously I'm debating to, to win them over with the animal rights thing or just to win the audience over. Yeah, and when, when, the pe- when the penny drops, it's usually a question they can't answer or it's usually that you've answered their question very thoroughly. Um, but then you still get people who, because I'm filming a lot of the time and they know it's being filmed when I'm sitting down at the table, say they will just not budge because they're in the spotlight. So a bit of psychology comes into it there. You might see like, oh, Joey, like that didn't work with that guy. But like off camera, they have a different attitude. You know what I mean? So on camera, some people have a, are more look they don't want to lose on on the camera they want to make sure they give me a run for my money but you know when I, when they don't know they're being filmed let's just say and you're going to get a more natural sort of uh idea of how people act in these conversations so yeah the penny drop moment could change your life forever the penny drop moment where they go oh, i can't answer this but that doesn't mean they're going to change. doesn't mean they're going to change it. They could just thought about it and then they fall back into society's conditioning. They might find, you know, some counter argument. Um, but there's something in psychology called the sleeper effect whereby you, you, um, where like the message lays dormant in someone and then like it flourishes later on. It's like when you plant a seed in their mind Right. And they don't change there. And then they might even oppose you. They might oppose you and, you know, ridicule you, but the seed is in their mind. And then by, by virtue of the sleeper effect, it flourishes later on. You know what I mean? So this is how activism and messages work. They get them. It's like how advertising works actually as well. Like they get the message and it stays in their mind and they might six months down the track, it might flourish. And I think that's usually how change works. Not it's, it's less likely that they're going to change there on the spot it's more likely it's going to be steps. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. I mean, that, that was, that was me, I think in my own, you know, the own, my own process, the, the, the seed was planted and there was sort of gradual kind of steps. The seed kept like just germinating away. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, I saw something on Facebook. It was a Facebook post in the end for, for me. Um, and that was it. I just went vegan on the spot. And, but it, before that, like you say, the little seed had been planted. So, um, the next question, which leads into quite well, is um, something that, you know, I know quite a, a lot of us out there struggle with. 
you know, what, what response do you have for people who once you speak to them and they say they know what happens to the animals, but they still keep supporting the cruelty. So for example, you know, when us as vegans, we try to, um, you know, educate our, our friends or peers and enlighten them. And, you know, we think, well, you're nice. You're my friend. You, you know me, you know, we get along. So surely you must think the way I do, but they don't want to think about it or know about it because they, they just don't want to connect with that, which for me just leaves me like, you know, you, I can't believe you, you know all this and yet you're not doing anything about it. Like what's, what's the jolly response to that? Because I'm always just like, well, I'm blown away. I don't know what to do with you anymore. You know? Well, uh, I, I actually disagree that they actually know all about it. <laughs> That's for starters. <laughs> many, many people just say that to sort of brush it off. Yeah. I know what happens to animals. They don't know. They don't know the depths of what happens to animals because then you could start to question them. Like, okay. What happens in the dairy industry? What's the process? What, what happens in, uh, you know, uh, parent breeder sheds in, in the egg industry is back our backyard eggs cruel. Uh, if so, why like, you know, I don't think people fit, I don't think people truly know the scope of what happens to animals when they say that that's, that's number one. But number two, um, you need to, the main thing is you need to hold that person to account they need to, you need to hold them accountable. You just say, well, you know about this, which is kind of worse. It's kind of worse that you know about this and you're consciously supporting it. Like I'd probably give uh, someone less flack if they didn't know about this and they were unconsciously supporting it. Like we, we all did for many years, but now that you know, you're now morally culpable. So every time you buy those animal products, you, you are knowingly causing the suffering and death of those animals, um, which is worse. Um, so I think they need to understand how supply and demand works and they need to see the blood on their own hands. And they need to know that, that, that now that they're, they're consciously paying for animals to be abused, then they need, they need to be held responsible for that. You know what I mean? Like they need to at least hold themselves accountable for it. But that's what an act, an activist is basically trying to hold people who pay for animal abuse accountable. So whatever way you choose to do that, because we all have our own communication style, it always should hold that person accountable and you need to get them there. You need to get them to that point where they go, yeah, I get, yeah, I am paying for animal cruelty and I do know about it. So I'm consciously paying for animal cruelty. So they support animal cruelty and you find out, find out if they're against animal cruelty and then you find out that they're contradicting, uh, they're contradicting their own moral position kind of thing. So it's, it's like a process like that. Um, I, I could almost guarantee that when someone says, I know what happens to animals, that they don't, that they don't truly know what happens to animals. Um, but even if they do, they need to, the next step would be to hold them accountable. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's really helpful. Thank you. I remember that. No, it's very true, actually. So stop the podcast. We'd like to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our partners, the NZAVS. The New Zealand Anti-Vivisection Society, NZAVS, is New Zealand's primary charity defending animals used in science. Their mission is to end animal experimentation and the harmful use of animals for research, testing and teaching. Follow them to keep up with their tireless work in game-changing campaigns for the animals at nzavs.org.nz. Now back to the podcast. If all the people, I mean, you must have spoken to countless, countless people, but do you ever come across people that you just can't get through to, you know, that you just like, what do you do in that kind of situation? Have have you had cases like that? Oh, yeah. I actually had a guy, (laughs) I didn't even upload the video and I usually upload everything, but I just thought, I don't even know if I want to upload this because it was so unproductive and like he was so fixed in his ways he didn't listen to anything i said and i just had to walk off from him okay so i tried and i thought even though like this person isn't this person isn't going to take the message on maybe i can get a good debate where other people can take the message on after i film it um but even then i thought no one's going to get anything out of this this guy's just impossible so you are going to come across people who are impossible um, if they see the cruelty, if they, you know, understand that they're responsible, uh, they don't want to change, then you move on to the next person because um, why would you spend too much time, energy and focus on someone who's clearly not willing to change? Um, that doesn't mean the conversation was futile or didn't leave a seed in their mind. Um 
I just think the best way to deal with someone who's really, really tough like that is to use like almost completely the Socratic method. So just see if they trip up, see if that disengages them and see if you can get in through, through asking them questions and questioning their moral uh, system and say, Oh, you against animal cruelty. You are, well, you pay for it here, but you don't pay, you, you wouldn't accept it here. So see if you can, See if you can do that. If that's complete, if you've got no chance, like that's for you to judge. You should just make that that decision and go, yep, no, there's no getting through to this person here. It might just be that they don't, they don't uh, resonate with the messenger. Mm. You know, sometimes it's the messenger. Sometimes people just don't resonate with other people or they don't resonate with the way that you, you said it or, you know, they're just not, not ready to change. There's heaps of different reasons why but um again like that's that's how that's why i think making videos is so much more effective because you know there are going to be people who aren't willing to change who watch it but there are also going to be some people who are nearly ready or or uh, uh, will be enlightened by that conversation so you're maximizing the amount of people you're reaching with that message so like if i get 10,000 views on a video or whatever 20 30 100,000 views on a video like you're sort of increasing the probability of reaching those people who need to be reached mm-hmm. but if you're just on the street only um you know the probability is much lower you're going to talk to like 20 people in that day one of them two of them three of them might be ready the rest of them might be you know so it's really a, a lucky draw so yeah, when make, when you're making a video, you're just spreading that message out real fast, and that's that maximizes your chances of, you know, hooking those people in who are really uh, interested and ready to change. Yeah, it makes total yeah, sense. Brilliant. So, um, so I got to say, my mum is a absolute huge fan of yours, and um, oh, really? yeah, when, yeah, when I started talking to Jerry, she was like, she got real excited. Oh, wow. and, um, <laughs> yeah. She loves what you do, and um, so it seems to be a running thing with this series. I get to talk to all these people, and she gets quite jealous about it. Um, ah. But um, she she was, she wants to know about um, what we can do when we're under fire from all directions and don't have the answer. You know, how can we respond and turn the tide? You know, because among her peer group, she's got a lot of friends. You know, who just don't see eye to eye on they. They once again, they're people who just don't really want to know. And, you know, they attack back. So if there's any sort of tip that you have for just, you know, doing the leg sweep and sort of getting it back on, back on track with the right side. Yeah. Particularly like parochial middle-aged New Zealanders, like, you know, they're a tough yeah. crowd. Yeah. No. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, the demographic of the crowd really uh, makes a difference too, because New Zealanders are real big on dairy and this uh, grass fed sort of, mm. you know, idea that they've got about their, their industries over there. But um, I guess uh, friends and friends and family are like the toughest people because like if this is her friend group, they already know her. Um, you know, it's going to be a little bit more tricky. I still think the same rules apply in this context of uh, the Socratic method to disengage people. Um, you know, asking people their position on certain animals, dogs and cats, and you know then finding where they stand on cows and, you know, lambs and why, why do they contradict their own belief system when it comes to these other animals? And, um, you know, it might just be a matter of us answering all of their objections like you do with a normal person, but there is that barrier because they're your friend and, you know, or a family member and they're less likely to listen to you for some weird psychological reason. It's, it's really bizarre, but holding someone that is your friend accountable is no different to hold like when it comes to animal abuse is no different to holding a friend accountable when it comes to them, you know, I don't know, doing something else that you consider, you know, out of line, like you're supposed to be friends. <laughs> like your friends tell you the truth about stuff. Like, Hey, if you did something when you were out drunk one night, you know, that was, you know, out of line, your friend's going to come next day and say, Hey dude, like, what are you doing? Pull up, like get your shit together. So like, I don't know why we, we're all, we also, we're also touchy about the animal rights topic. It's like, they're your friend and just say, look, I love you, mate. But like you, you're responsible for these animals going into the slaughterhouse. If you care about these animals at all, you care about some animals. You don't care about these animals. You're destining these ones to have a knife in their throat. Come on. And then like, I think, I think like, it's just a, ma- a matter of a, a longer time with, with certain friends because you know, they might not get the message 
straight away from you. They might have this barrier up. They might need to, to hear it from someone else. They might need to see a speech from someone else. They might need to watch like an earthling ed video or something like that to, to change the messenger. Um, I think that 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 changing the messenger from you who is someone they know to someone they don't know, or some, it might even be an authority figure like one of these uh, plant-based doctors like um, Dr. Michael Clapper who talks about the animals, but also talks about health and he's also an authority figure. And for a middle-aged, you know, person, like an authority figure who's talking about all these topics might be more credible, you know, and then, then, then I am, you know, that's, well, this person's credible in my eyes, this, but this is the right messenger for me. So like, this is a, this is a tactic as well to use for people that know you as well. Like, but at the end of the day, like they need to be held accountable for what they're doing to the animals. And, you know, just say, look, I'm your friend. I'm going to tell you the, the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. And, I, and I, I'm not saying I don't love you. I'm not saying that you're not my friend. I'm saying that what you're doing to these animals isn't right. You know, like put it, take it off of them and put it on their action. Say, look, this action is wrong. Like I'm, I'm, I've got friends that I've got friends. I had friends for years that were doing stuff that, you know, I didn't agree with. I was doing stuff that my friends didn't agree with. And we just pulled each other up every now and then. So said, dude, look, we're still friends. I still, I didn't disown them. Um, you know, it's like if your mum does something out of line, she's still your mum, <laughs> you know, but you just want to say like, look, look, you're stabbing animals to death for your food choices. Stop mum. Like, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a very tough situation. I understand like, cause they're your friend group. You don't want to split up your friend group. You know, they, they might be really good to you in many other ways. They might've been there for you in many other ways, like throughout your life. So to just say like, no, nah, you're an animal abuser, get out of my life is like, it's just not reasonable. So I understand, I totally understand that, especially at work. If you're in your workplace, like you don't want to create this environment at your workplace that's uncomfortable. Like it's, it's like, wow, I've really upset that person. So you gotta, you gotta just, you know, operate with a little bit more tact. And the thing is like these days, there's so much information online. They're not only getting it from you at work, they're getting it when they turn on their bloody Facebook page anyway. So like this, and they're talking about it on the news now, there's heaps of information out there. So this might not even be new to them. Um, but I, I also say this, I've found like uh, with friends, sometimes if they are truly a friend, the blunt approach is like perfect for them. Like depending on, depends on the person obviously, but if you've got that type of relationship with, with your friend, like you, you know, you did a horse play and you, you mess around a bit and I'm like just calling them a straight up hypocrite. Like, you know, like, look, you, you, you wouldn't eat a dog. You eat a cow. You're a hypocrite. You're against animal cruelty. You pay for the worst animal cruelty on earth. Nothing comes close to what happens to these animals. You're just a blatant hypocrite. Come on. You know? And uh, like, I think like that type of level of honesty can like, just go, wow, like snap someone out of it or it might completely backfire and you lose your friends. So you just got to work that that's for someone to, to decide. But like, it depends on your relationship with them. Depends on like, you know, like you said that your mum was hanging around, they're, they're more middle-aged, um, you know, New Zealand people who might have seen the, the green pasture, humane propaganda over there. Yeah. Maybe it, like I said, changing up the messenger, showing them some slaughterhouse, but still hold them accountable and it might take a little bit longer. Well, thank you so much for that. My mum will be absolutely stoked for your reply. It's awesome as always. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's hugely helpful. And it certainly got me thinking about different approaches and different people because we do, we tend to, like you say, you don't want to upset the people that you that you know you you like and you know you don't want to lose them as a friend but i mean it could be the best thing that you ever did for them so you know mm. sometimes you just you just gotta go with that so um so the whole point of the series to get people more you know um involved in activism to make them realize you know that there are a lot of different things they can do um obviously we've got cubes we've got uh vigils there are all sorts of ways for for new and, and would-be activists to get more involved in when it comes to speaking up to the animals so um you know, is there any in particular that you would recommend for, for real newbies or, um, you know, is it, how do you find out what's right for you? Or is it a case of just getting in there and just trying it all, you know? Yeah, I think, well, there is no one way to do activism, you know, and people think that their way is the best way, um, you know, and you got to do this, you got to do, to be an activist, you have to do this. Like, I would say like, to be focused on the principle, the moral principle of veganism is so important. Like if, this is the main thing before you start, you need to understand what veganism is. It's a moral principle against the exploitation and cruelty to animals. 
period. Okay. Now, if you're going to start advocating like some plant-based diet and training regime or something like that, you're not doing vegan activism. You're not doing animal rights activism. You're, you're recommending a plant-based diet. Uh, albeit that people that try a plant-based diet are eradicating a lot of the cruelty out of their lives, but they don't understand the moral principle to begin with. They don't have that core philosophy that will leak out into other areas of their life. Once you've got that core philosophy down, you don't buy wool, you don't buy leather, you, you check products, you do all these things. Now, if you've just been advocated to, to try a plant-based diet, what is your, where's your motivation to, 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 to not go back to animal? Where's your motivation there? You, don't, you, you haven't understood the moral principle, and I see this time and time and time and time again. So the main thing is, is to get that message straight get your message your, that, that core message strong and focus on what veganism is and and use the the plant-based dieting and whole foods this and the environment things as bolstering arguments all right then they're, they're secondary yeah. to what veganism is so main main thing before you get out there and start speaking about this and you know going on all your platforms speaking about this just understand the difference between you know the moral principle of veganism, whole foods, plant-based dieting, and the environment. These, these are all separate topics. Now, they might all be interlinked in a, in a very profound way, but, you know, we need to get that core philosophy down pat. Um, and now finding out what's right for you is just, you know, finding out if, what, like what type of person you are. What are you good at? Like, you know, like everyone has different strengths and abilities and, you know, like I always say, like, you don't get the public speaker into the kitchen to cook the vegan burgers. You get the chef in the, the kitchen to cook the vegan burgers and the public speakers out there. Speak, speak, you know what I mean? Like you, you stick to your strengths. Um, that's not to say you can't make your weaknesses, your weaknesses stronger. Like, so, you know, if you, your strength isn't public speaking and you wanted to train that up, you do that, you know, you just train that up. But like if writing down massive posts or articles or things like that isn't your strong point then getting on video might be you know if uh, street outreach is fantastic i highly recommend street outreach and conversations but if conversations aren't your thing then organizing events might be you know like so it all depends on what type of person you are what your strengths are obviously stepping out of your comfort zone is huge so like just because you're too afraid to that doesn't mean you can't (laughs) like i'm talking about can you speak you know, coherently in a conversation, if you can, then don't let fear hold you back from doing that. So that's different. Just because you're scared to doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I'm talking about if you're more, if you've got more strength in another field like research, then research is a massive field that we need. Okay, I'm going to research this and I'm going to post this up on my Facebook. I'm going to make a little, I'm going to make a little uh, memory bank here and a website of all this research. That's, that's you. That's, that's bang. You're bringing something valuable to the movement. Um, so if, if there, I do think uh, bearing witness is important for, for vegans and activists um, to share the, the victims of, you know, where, before they go in to share, like say the victims of that area, say you're in Sydney and you go to a New South Wales slaughterhouse and then you can sort of locate these animals to the people you're talking to, which is, it gives them a more closer connection, but it just reinforces the reason why you're an activist and, you know, you don't get off track and you don't, you don't lose track of what you're doing. You're like, wow, this, it's a reality. So, Bearing witness is fantastic for many reasons. Uh, it's powerful for many reasons. And, yeah, finding your strengths and, and where you fit in the movement um, is something that you have to sort of analyze yourself and go, okay, what can I bring to this movement? What can I bring? Okay, and even if it's something small, just because you you, you think, oh, my God, like I, I started with no following at all. I started with no following at all, and I just had the tenacity and, you know, I just thought, I don't care. This is more important to me than what anyone thinks. I actually, um, just to, to give you a backstory, like leaving gangs and going on social media before I didn't have a social media because of the danger associated with exposing myself to people. Um, you know, that was a real, that was, I was really nervous about that. I was like, you know, but I did, I did it anyway. I did it anyway, because even though I was like fresh out of gangs and there was still danger around, I was like, you know what, this is important to me. I have to do this. So the reason why is more important than how it's just so much more important. The why is going to show you the how the why is going to send you that way. The why is going like, why am I doing this is going to take you to how you're going to do it. Um, so that overrides everything. And, and then it will sort of, you will attract the way 
it's just simple. You will attract the way. It might seem like a bit weird, like, no, no, you won't. Yes, you will. Because the why will be the desire and the desire will get you there and you'll be like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. This is where I fit. If you're confused about how, the why isn't strong enough. And mm-hmm. that's usually the case. Um, so, yeah, and, and my why is still strong. My why is still strong to this day. To this day, I'm like, even if I, like, obviously, because I've been doing this for a little while now, not as long as some, but, you know, it's stressful being on social media and being exposed to so many different opinions of you constantly being brought down by other people and brought up by other people and down and up and down, you know, um, like it, it gets to you. So you, sometimes I have a, a week where I'm just like, oh, my God, finding my feet, changing the office up, doing things, trying to get my mental health in check, and then, boom, I go back because I can't stay away from it because that why is so strong that it overtakes my entire life. It's like, nah, even if I have a break, that why just comes back like a rubber band, bang, here it is. And, um, that's, that's the most important thing. If you want to, you know, create change in the world, that why has to stay pronounced in your heart and you got to remember why you started because there's going to be a lot of bullshit artists, artists out there. There's a lot of bullshit artists out there and they're going to send you off track and they're going to go, whoa, 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 you know, this and that plant-based diet isn't healthy, you know, and then they're just going to completely make you lose focus of the animals in those farms and in those slaughterhouses, which is what it's all about. So whenever you find yourself getting off track, come back to the why. Before you even start, make sure the why is strong. Don't watch Dominion straight through to the end. I think, I know it's going to make you a bit upset and I know not everyone can do it, but it's, it's, you just watch it. You have to watch something like that. You have to understand how horrific this is. You know, the, the animals are the true victims here. I know like it might cause you some mental trauma, but the animals are the true victims. This is going to help you speak. This is going to ignite that fire. So yeah, the how will come about when the way is strong, I believe. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm just speechless now, just really enjoying listening to you and just like, well, yeah, fire in my belly now. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, just slightly not off tangent, but on the on the subject of vigils and things like that, like bearing witness, that, that's what I'm drawn to. Um, and, you know, we've got a question that, um, in a minute about, um, you know, other things that people can do as well. Um, you know, for, for me, I'm a writer. And so when I wanted to do something, but I didn't have the confidence to actually get out there and face people, um, you know, I started writing and writing for, well, vegan FTA, which is how I've ended up here. You know, I mean, the first video I did for safe, I was so terrified. Um, I made them distort my voice and block out my face, you know, so (laughs) I got over that now. (laughs) Thank you for for helping out with that. Um, but yeah, in the, in the regard, you know, I know a lot of new activists, they worry about things like safety. So for example, um, we spoke to the guys recently at LA Animal Save and they have a, a fantastic relationship with the authorities. You know, when they go and do a vigil, um, uh, you know, yeah. they've got a couple of police presence there. You know, the truckies all know the drill. They, they know they've got to keep still for a couple of minutes. It's not going to, you know, really ruin their day to, to just stop for a couple of minutes and let these people wear, bear witness, which is, is awesome. And then on the other end of the scale, you know, we've got some friends here in Taranaki that had a, a vigil at the weekend and it was really quite um, upsetting for them, you know, the, the truckies, they were abusive, they were quite threatening behavior, you know, and so, um, and we've got, yeah, young people, young friends and stuff and sort of more mature friends and people that are, you know, well, what have you, what's this kind of rule, not rule of thumb, but you know, like, is this, what, what should we expect? I suppose, you know, I, I'm picking that not everywhere is lucky, as lucky as, as LA okay. to have that support and that, that police <clears throat> presence there. Yeah. Well, let's just say you start a vigil up in your town, <laughs> like a, you know, you're just like, okay, yeah, we're going to start a, a chapter of the save movement here, or you're going to do it outside of the save movement and just like, we're going to do a vigil. There are many different things you need to take into account. Um, the first one is that they won't be happy that you're there. Uh, you know, uh, just, it could affect their business, you know, because the trucks, are not always prissy clean. There's sometimes dead animals in the trucks, injured animals, animals covered in their own feces, sad animals, tortured animals. Like, you know, they don't want that exposed. So they could be even more angry. Um, Truck drivers don't like being stopped. Uh, Basically, uh, anyone working in that industry usually isn't down with vegans. Like, just think about it. Like, they're just on the opposite opposite end. So... um, it's just you're gonna you might come up against some real obstacles. The the best way to sort of navigate through that would be to just talk to the 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 manager there and just say, look, this is what we're doing. Look, we're not here to create problems for your 
workplace. We're just here to document the animals. This is all about the animals. This isn't about your workers. You know, this isn't about the truck drivers. If you don't want us to film your faces, we won't. You know, if you don't want the the number plates of the trucks, we won't put that in there. We just simply want to film the animals and we we care about these animals. We understand the supply and demand chain that you are only de- de- uh, supplying the, these animals because people demand them. So this is more about just sharing the animal's story for us and like trying to, to come to a, you know, agreement or some type of agreement or some type of common ground um, and let them know that you're completely peaceful will help disengage um, the you know, the anger. Um, this doesn't always work. We, this, this doesn't always work, but it's kind of the best op- chance you, you're going to have with these places. Just make, make sure that you stay safe, whatever, whatever route you choose. Um, and having a larger group is going to help. Like the more people that are there, the more seriously they take you. So if you can get more people to a vigil, that's going to be better. But I've done vigils with five people before. Um, they just don't take you as seriously because it's only five people. If you've got 50 people, a hundred people there, they're just like, well, okay, let's uh, stop the trucks for them. You know, um, let's get the police down here to help, you know, facilitate this. Um, again, the police help facilitate these things as well. So like there's many, diff- you, you never know when you go to a vigil, what's going to happen. That's the main thing. You don't know. There, there could be, it could be run smoothly. Amazingly, there could be more trucks than you expected. There could, it could, you could have an agreement with the slaughterhouse and on that day they decide to be assholes, you know? So it's really, you don't really know, but it's going to be fine. If you, if you've got a lot of people there, if everyone's got cameras, you know, it's going to be fine, but starting a new vigil is always a little bit difficult. You need a really good um, PR person there to, to help persuade uh, the slaughterhouse staff to, to, to work with you. Police can always help, but yeah. Um, did I answer your question? Is that, is that yeah, sort of yeah, like, what no, we're talking, like yeah. the different obstacles about starting a vigil? I mean, the, the, the obstacles with um, other forms of activism, they're, they're really not that tough. I mean, uh, you might get someone who's super clever, who's, super, who's thought about the vegan arguments before and like comes up with something new or something that you haven't researched, but they're rare. They're, they're pretty rare. Like when, when you're showing slaughterhouse footage, like with AV or doing something like that, they're pretty rare. Most people are just like, whoa, what, what's going on here? What's this? And then you just explain the industries to them and they usually don't um, come up with like weird excuses for the most part. 30% of the time they will. That's my own statistic. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, then you can have the debate or whatever. But there's the, the only obstacle when doing activism usually is just yourself getting out there and doing it. You know, your mm-hmm. fear you know, the fear is holding you back. And that's the main obstacle with people doing ab- activism, I think. But also, I just want to say this before, like, as we said before, like we're focusing on a couple of forms of activism here, which are great forms of activism, don't get me wrong. And I think like, if you if you can get involved with them, get involved with them mm. for sure, because these are, these are really going to develop your confidence and they're really fantastic for animal rights. But they're not, they're not the only forms of activism. So if you're like, oh my God, I can't be an activist because I'm too scared to go to a vigil or whatever, then do something else that's super productive and super needed in the movement. You can just like, I, I don't even have an imagination big enough to just to like tell you all the different ways you can do this. Like, I mean, you just got to open up that booklet in your mind and, you know, find your own sort of avenue to do this or even helping out other organizations and volunteering, not on the ground, but on online. And, you know, like, there's just so many things you can do to help other activists and to help get the message out there in your own way and pamphleting and printing things out. And it's just, it's just astronomical the amount of ways you can come into this movement. Absolutely. Well, you know, like, you know, this is why we're, we're at, it's a big learning curve for us as well, because, you yeah. know, we're, we haven't done this yet either. I mean, long story, but we've been living on the road up until lockdown. We, we were traveling the okay. whole of New Zealand. So um, we've, we've always been in the wrong place at the wrong time on, on the right place. But yeah, like you're saying, you know, um, I heard you say on one of your um, previous um you know, videos that, you know, if, if you're angry and you don't know what to do with that anger, then draw a picture and, and put it in, you know, channel, channel what you're feeling, your emotions to, to yeah, do creative activism. Like um, with me, you know, I was, uh, as, as my years farming, I was like, well, I've got this knowledge that people can't debunk because I was there and, and I know this and, you know, I've, I've got that insight. And so, 
you know, I, I write stuff. And that was how I got into activism was writing stuff. You know, I wasn't in the right place at the right time to always go to vigils mm. or protest or all of those, all the cool, really astounding stuff that, that I wanted to check out. You know, I wasn't in that, um, the, the time to be able to do that. So I just ended up writing prolifically. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. This is the, uh, the aim, hopefully with this series, hopefully people like watching this can learn about your, your forms that you take part in, you know, and also mm. through all our other speakers can learn about different forms of activism from, you know, the experts in those fields. And hopefully this will help uh, people getting out there and really, yeah, just stepping behind it, getting into it and getting a voice for the animals. Where can we go to support, support you and your work? And um, is there any other projects you'd like us to know about? Um, well, to support my work, speak up for the animals. That's what I want you to do. That will support. That will give us a give us a hand. Um, you can come to Joey Carbstrong on any platform. I'm pretty much on on all of them. Uh, mainly YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook. But I've just started a TikTok for something different. Um, different crowd in there. <laughs> There's more trolls in there. Just trust me, TikTok's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, any projects I want people to know about. Um, you know, like I'm just. I'm just going to keep going the way I've been going and, you know, pushing harder and harder. I think, um, yeah, I mean, you'll know, you'll know about them when I release them. And, uh, if I, if there's anything coming up that people need to know about, I'll definitely, um, I'll definitely give them the heads up, but I just want, um, everyone to like, just take not, if you've got taken responsibility and gone vegan, I want you to take responsibility and speak for the animals because that is our responsibility because no one else is going to do it are they not like a vegetarian ain't going to do it. A meat eater is not going to do it because they're still consuming the products that cause the animal suffering. So why would they speak out against it? So the only people who are going to speak for the animals are the vegans. So you need to take that responsibility and say, okay, animals are suffering. They can't form a massive protest for themselves. They can't speak out for themselves. They can't, you know, congregate and discuss how they're going to liberate themselves. They're just stuck. They're stuck and they will always be stuck and suffering and being murdered until vegans speak up about it. So that's the responsibility you need to take into your own hands and you need to just go with that. Go with that. Thank you for listening to this interview. We hope you found it informative and entertaining. To learn more about Joey's work, follow him on social media at Joey Carbstrong. Once again, be sure to follow us on social media for future episodes. This has been Vegan FTA. Vegan for the animals.